0: Hey everybody welcome to the friday edition of winners and Winners radio tgif guys i am your host scott steen lead handicapper over there at winners and i am your co-host scott rachel
1: senior handicapper over at winners and
0: and together we make up winners and Winners radio our motto here at winners and Winners radio very simple you give us about an hour and we'll give you the winners that's what we do around here guys so Scott, big night, Field of Dreams games, uh, NFL preseason action. How much of it did you see? What, what were you watching?
1: I watched a decent amount of the Field of Dreams game. I thought the presentation was fine. A little too many shots of the corn, not going to lie. Uh, we get it. They came out of the cornfields. You don't have to show it for the 40th time. But I thought it was well done. I thought it was well executed as a whole. Of course, the game turned out to be very entertaining. That was also a plus. What do you think? I thought overall it was good, but a little bit too much movie lore.
0: I really enjoyed the first eight and two-thirds innings. That was a top-notch game. Uh, of course, on my free play, we had the White Sox team total over five and a half on my, on my uh, premium. Had the run line, Scott. And yeah, you send out your A number one closer to hold a three-run lead, and he cannot do it. Beautiful, beautiful, and actually they gave up. Uh, they gave up the go-ahead run. They, they entered the the inning with a three-run lead. Gave up five, or excuse me, gave up four, and uh, yeah, then walked it off in the bottom of the ninth. But not enough guys on base to help me, as we end up winning by one. So yippee! No, it was cool. It was a good presentation. I liked it. I thought that was. I mean, uh, you talk about well, they showed the corn too much. And in, in fairness, what are you going to show, Scott?
1: I got nothing else to show. I'm just saying we, we get it. You've been advertising it for the past week. We know it's based on the movie. I don't need to see the cameraman in the middle of the fifth inning walking in the corn. I d I, I don't need really need to see that. You know?
0: Everybody walked to the court. You know, I didn't realize that it wasn't on the actual original field. I thought they no, just not I, at all. I thought they just sort of juiced up the original field and and I didn't realize there was two actual fields there, so that was kind of disappointing. I got to be honest with you. So
1: I don't know if you agree with me about the random shots. I get it, but it's all about the atmosphere. And as a whole, they'll definitely do it again. I would have assumed it was a
0: success. Yeah, I, bl- a I believe it was. The broadcast went off without a hitch. That was pretty impressive. They were able to move their whole operation there and get everything going. So fun time, fun game. Yeah, I say more of that. Let's put put more games in unusual spots, just out in the middle of random places. Scott, what's the most... What's the most unusual random place you'd like to see a baseball game?
1: Put a game on the sand lot.
0: On the sand, the sand lot, like the sand lot field.
1: Yeah, have a have a kids have a kids game for exhibition. Who cares?
0: Ah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Use some of those rules we talked about earlier with a team a team back east.
1: Yeah, put a spring training game there or something. Who knows? Have some fun.
0: I like it. I, I like it. Uh, you know, they they played basketball on the aircraft carrier before, so you know why not? They play football at Wembley. Yeah, let's 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 think outside the box here, boys. Well, guys, we appreciate you checking us out, and we're going to get started as we always do. We have a lot of material to get to today, as always. In just an hour to do it, we're going to be talking, of course, a little NFL. Got some Friday night games, maybe even sneak a Saturday thought in there or two. And of course, we'll have our bet the farm play coming up a little bit later. We'll get to donkey of the day. I hope all of you guys were able to Google. The big, uh, the little red uniforms for the University of Nebraska. I really hope you took the thirty seconds to do that, and got yourself a good chuckle. I, I got to tell you, Scott, I had a picture of it still on my computer after we were done with the show, and it came up, and I laughed again, even though we just talked about it for five minutes. So they they are hilarious. Welcome to hey. big, welcome to big boy, everybody. But guys, we're going to start off the show as we always do. With the people that kind of took it in the shorts, and I'm not even talking about myself in that White Sox game, although that was a bad beat. But these are ones that were even worse than that. At the end of the game, all you could do is sit there and stare and wonder. Let's look at that ticket. Tear it up. Pick up your phone and call the cops. All right, Scott. Well, we're going to get started in a place where they don't uh, they don't have corn corn in the fields. That's uh, the battle between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Pirates. If you had the Cardinals on the run line, minus one and a half, going uh, into the ninth inning, they led by three. Hmm, I think I've heard this story before. The Pirates, Scott, what they do? scored two meaningless runs in the bottom of the ninth. Couldn't get it tied. Couldn't get it to extras to give the Cardinals a chance. Cardinals end up winning 7-6. But if you had the Cardinals on the run line, eh, you probably had the White Sox on the run line too, just to make that a perfect night. All you can do, call the cops. And looking at another
1: game, which involved a blown three-run lead in the final inning, you had the Nationals and the Mets game two, but this one we're looking at the under seven. Mets led four to one after six innings. Nationals scored three runs in the top of the seventh. It's not on call the cops for the side because the Mets did end up winning the game. But if you had the under seven, three runs there in the top to lose, that's going to hurt. And it was a doubleheader, of course, to the seventh inning is the last inning of the game.
0: Of course. And if you had the Texas Rangers' first five on the reverse run line plus a half a run, first of all, God bless your optimism. I'm sure they're going to turn it around any day now. It was tied 1-1, two outs, bottom of the fifth. All you got to do, one more out. That's all you need. Oh, no, 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 no. Mariners, long ball. She gone, baby. And the Mariners ended up taking a 2-1 lead. After five innings, and that's all you needed to beat you. If you had the Rangers plus a half, you were one out short. But that one out, it meant everything. So you better call the cops.
1: Can't believe Fulton Evans gave up another home run when you didn't need him to.
0: Stunning. Stunning. You know, I couldn't believe, if you're watching that Field of Dreams game, Haney giving up five runs, or excuse me, seven runs. He's still pitching in the fifth inning, Scott.
1: Didn't have a choice. Yankees burned the entire bullpen against Kansas City two days ago, which I brought up leading up to the game.
0: Well, we talked about no. It was actually was it yes no. Yesterday was the bullpen day. Well, well uh, two yes, days ago, right? Yeah, yeah. The correct. Yankees. Red Sox game. The so last yeah. game of the series. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, that was and we we touched on that as well here. Like you said on the show, and then I mentioned that in my video. Yeah, it didn't matter. They didn't. Uh, you because you, you knew Haney was going to have to wear it. And he just needed to give up a couple more, apparently.
1: Can't believe Hendricks, though. He sabotaged another win for the Cy Young hopeful.
0: Killed me. Killed me. Uh, Lance Lynn was not good. No, but he
1: was good enough to get the win had Hendricks not blown it.
0: I'll tell you what. I got shut out I just about when when I saw the first inning. And Lance Lynn struggled through 20. I think he threw 24 pitches in the first inning. And after the White Sox hit the home run in the bottom I got on. I was going to take a live play on the Yankees at plus 195. I went to book it and it was already locked. It was already gone. And I would have been so mad <laughs> because I would have been, you know, I'd have been dancing on the chair when Judge hits that home run <laughs> in the top of the ninth. And then, yeah, I forget. Oh, yeah, the Yankees got to have a bullpen come out. So, yeah, not good. You know who looked good, Scott, randomly was uh, Wandy Rodriguez.
1: In Peralta?
0: I mean, uh, Wandy Peralta. Sorry, <laughs> wrong Wandy. But yeah.
1: looked fine. He had the two-seamer, which was working for him the entire night.
0: It was fine. And his off-speed stuff really, really had good movement on him. They were swinging over the top yeah. of that all night. So, well, let's talk about some good news. These are the people that were on the right side of the game. Never had to sweat it. Never had to doubt it. All they could do, they had to wait around for the end of the game to cash that ticket. Nothing like sitting in the rocking chair, Scott.
1: So first one was in summer league basketball if you had the Spurs and the Hornets over 167 and a half each of the final three quarters had at least 51 points that's a lot Uh, game landed 211 so if you had the over you cashed by about 44 points
0: 211 that was higher than like half of the Knicks games this season they play in 48 minutes
1: that was I think that might have been the second highest total for a Knicks playoff game
0: (laughs) sounds about right well, if you had the Brewers minus one and a half, congratulations. They're raking. They led uh, 5-1 after just two innings over the Cubs. They led 9-1 after five innings. Cubs said, mercy, mercy. The Brewers said, no mercy for you, Cubbies. 13-1 after six. They ended up taking care of business, putting a couple more safeties on the board as they win 17-4 to over the, can we say it, hapless Cubs.
1: I was going to say the Triple A Cubs, but that works too.
0: The Iowa City Cubs making a rare appearance.
1: And the last one, looking at the athletics on the run line, led three to nothing against the Indians after two, or the soon to be Guardians after two, led 10 to nothing after five innings, and then won the game 17 to nothing. So a couple of really, really ugly afternoon baseball games.
0: You know, what I had their scout, I had the under.
1: <laughs> Ouch.
0: Well, I was half right. <laughs> Cleveland
1: really helped you out on that one. I thought
0: Bassett would do really well and Cleveland's offense was terrible. I didn't think Oakland Cleveland was going gonna... like to
1: an under with Eli Morgan on the mound.
0: Well, he'd pitch well his last two starts. You know, I wouldn't yeah. I wasn't a believer in Morgan and then he'd convince me and then he ended up um, Never again. Yeah. But he's he's on um, he's dead to me, Scott. Eli Morgan is dead to me. All right. Well this <laughs> I always start laughing before I do these, even before I hear the sound effects.
1: Well, because most of the actual sheet stuff, I try to find the ones without telling you. Yes. So I try to catch you by surprise when you're on the air.
0: Yes. Whenever whenever Scott, whenever Scott does the Donkey of the Day, I always make it a habit not to look because I want to be surprised. And it's it's a good one today. I'm not gonna lie. All right, guys, let's see who's uh, gonna strap on the golden feed bag today and wear it proudly. It's time once again for Donkey of the Day. <coughs> I am not 100% convinced that Donkey is not involved in some sort of activity.
1: I was going to say tomfoolery.
0: Tomfoolery. Donkfoolery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Scott, you found it. Share it with our audience, shall you? Shall so, you?
1: Just a question, a non incriminating question. If you were hypothetically going to try to rob a car from somebody, Mm -hmm. who's the last person you should try to end up robbing? What profession?
0: Oh, got to be some of the combats, fighting, boxers, MMA type of guys, you know. And the
1: logic there is because if they catch you, you're probably not waking up or you're going to have a nice sleep for a couple hours.
0: It's going to be bad, Scott. It's going to be bad. So
1: that's going to take us to the donkey of the day because we don't know the guy's name. Oh. However... There was a random pedestrian who tried to steal UFC fighter Jordan Williams' car at
0: a gas station. What kind of car was it, by the way?
1: That I don't know. I mean, it was
0: like a really nice something-something. No,
1: Jordan Williams 0-2 in his UFC career, so I'm doubting the car was that nice. Okay. But the pedestrian thought he could get away with it, and he did not. (laughs) Williams caught him, punched him, and even hit him with a flying knee or two while he was getting out of the car. And the pedestrian ran away. So I don't know if he actually got arrested in the end. Of course, they have security cameras at the gas station, so he might also be in jail. But you think you're getting away with a car, and instead you get about five free knuckle sandwiches followed by a couple of knees. That is not exactly a good recipe for success.
0: I'll tell you the most surprising part about that whole thing to me, Scott. Split decision. I really not, can't uh, believe it. The I did not see that really coming. We saw something else. Yeah, I, I really didn't see the pedestrian doing much there, but they, the judges saw something. Apparently, we didn't. So, yeah, the, <laughs> that's brutal. I'm surprised the guy got up. That's what stuns me. Uh, what weight class is is Jordan Williams?
1: Um, trying to remember if he was a welterweight or a middleweight.
0: Give me a rough 145 or so somewhere in that neighborhood.
1: Uh, I think he was a little bit more, but okay. I, I would probably say somewhere in the 150s, 160s.
0: Okay, you, you, that should he should still be a human being that hits plenty hard to knock you out.
1: At least that will be my assumption. Then again, of course, he hasn't fought in a while. He doesn't have another fight scheduled. So he could really weigh anything. Right. Uh, just because of the fact that you don't exactly know when he's going to hypothetically come back. Good point. But, uh, as a whole, he is definitely well-equipped to beat up a guy or two. And the guy who stole his car was definitely a perfect exploring partner, but Walter White is anywhere from one fifty six to one seventy. Okay, so I'm going to assume one sixty for convenience.
0: Okay, good enough, good enough. And of course, if he's if he's between fights, he could be 170, 175 most likely. Um, yeah, that's I I feel bad for. I mean, I don't feel bad for a criminal, but I do feel bad that, that guy's having like the worst day ever because he he gets he gets his butt kicked, he runs away. They probably caught him, so now he's going to jail. He's all—he's already—he's already beat up before you go to jail, and then you know probably going to get up, get beat up more in jail. He, sh-
1: he should probably volunteer himself to go to jail
0: because he probably has some internal bleeding. He needs to get checked out. Yeah, get some of the free medical care. So that's that's a mighty fine, mighty fine donkey of the day right there. Funniest part—he was wearing red overalls, and see, I didn't see, I didn't see that coming at all. And where where was this? Where was this, Scott? Florida. This was I want to say Texas, but okay. I want to see if I can confirm that or not.
1: Well, Texas, uh, he have
0: just shot him.
1: It says he trains in Denver, actually. So I'm gonna guess this took place in Denver. Okay. Question mark.
0: All right. All right. Good enough. Yeah, it's uh yeah one of those, and a, it was one of those castle doctrine, defend your ground, def, kind of stand your ground kind of states. It maybe would have even ended even worse than that. Good thing he didn't try to steal Frank Clark's car. That's all I'm saying, buddy. That's true. It'd have been Uzi City right there. Hey, Mm -hmm. quick reminder, gang. You are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. So, Scott, normally this is the spot where we would do Puncher's Chance. Your Friday night, our Friday segment, where you take a look at the UFC card, You give us a great pick. You've been really hot, done well with the puncher's chance. However, this is one of those rare Saturday nights. There is no UFC card. I know you were going to look at the Bellator card just to uh, give our listeners a uh, puncher's chance, but the Bellator card was not good, and they didn't have a lot of the lines up, right?
1: It's a little tricky with Bellator because a lot of sports books don't have props up. So if you want to try to find by decision or something like that, a lot of books don't have that available. Plus, Bellator... It's very, very chalky. You occasionally see a couple of huge UFC favorites around one, maybe minus 300, minus 400. Bellator usually has around three fights in every card that are pushing minus 700 Mm -hmm. or higher. It's a very, very chalky organization when it comes to the actual fights that they organize. So it's a little bit tougher to find underdog value as well.
0: Trying to build those records as opposed to put on a great show, huh?
1: something like that or maybe they're just very limited with the amount of fighters that they can actually afford.
0: All right. Well, let's take a look. We do have something to talk about, Scott. It's for <laughs> the third day in a row. I can't I can't believe this is really the case. And it really happened again. Scott, there's no way to explain it. I think the odds makers were drunk. Well, if you guys have listened to the show lately, you know that we've been talking about this segment. We've been talking about one particular team that seems to be a little bit overvalued. You're thinking, well, I bet that's a good team. Maybe they're just kind of having a bad run or they're middle of the pack, something like that. They're underappreciated. No! It's one of the worst teams in baseball, Scott. It's the Baltimore Orioles, once again, favored over the Detroit Tigers and not just favored by a little bit, Scott. Almost a three to two favorite as Baltimore went off at minus one forty five. They had John Means on the mound. Okay, he was good for a couple of games this season. Great, nice job. How would it end? Well, Baltimore, in addition to having Means on the
1: mound, also was in the middle of a seven-game losing streak, and yet they were laying one forty five. How do you think it went? They lost.
0: they lost. They lost. six to four. Unbelievable. They, they, they. I, I don't even I don't even know what to say anymore about this team. If you're if you're out there seeing Baltimore at minus 145 and going, Oh, that's a great price on them. I can't help you. I can't I said yesterday
1: I wouldn't lay any money on Baltimore against a triple A team. Not against a team that's been smacking them for the entire series for the last couple of days. They're not Baltimore didn't lose these games against Detroit. They didn't even cover the reverse run line in any of these games. They've been getting smacked.
0: Everybody out there listening right now, I want you to I want you to find a mirror. I want you to go to the mirror. I want you to stare into the mirror, and I want you to look at yourself and say, "Detroit isn't terrible. Detroit isn't terrible because they're not." I know it's ingrained in our psyche that this is a terrible team. Baltimore, Detroit, uh, the Diamondbacks—they're all the same. They are not all the same. Detroit can actually pitch. They're starting to hit the ball a little bit. I don't hate this team. They're, I think they're about a year, maybe even a year and a half ahead of schedule. And for them to be underdogs to Baltimore, it's an insult to Detroit. And they did exactly what they should have done, exactly what we thought they would do. And they won every single game. Odds makers, put down the bottle. You are drunk.
1: I'm assuming there were some cheap refills because we've talked about it for three straight days. I
0: know. I know. They're not exactly fast learners, Scott. Mm -hmm. All right. So you knew this was coming. We talked about the possibility of this coming, and it has perhaps started. I don't know if this will be the only case. I doubt it. City of New Orleans, Mayor Latoya Cantrell announced plans yesterday that's going to require bars, restaurants, breweries, gyms, fitness centers, sports complexes, concerts, event spaces, casinos, and racetracks, among other venues, to be vaccinated or show negative a COVID test that was taken within the last 72 hours. Scott, you know what building is included in that list? The Superdome. It is the Superdome, ladies and gentlemen, which means everyone that attends the New Orleans Saints games must be vaccinated or show a negative test. And once inside the Superdome, they will be required to wear masks except while eating or drinking. First of all, Scott, agree? Disagree? Good move? Bad news? And are other teams and or cities going to follow suit?
1: I'm fine with it. I think we all know it's all about the bottom line. And if you want to actually keep the season afloat without any potential COVID outbreaks, you might have to take some steps that might seem a little bit excessive. Uh, What I will tell you, though, is that the biggest winner in the situation is probably Lamar Jackson, because he doesn't have to face New Orleans in New Orleans this year. he He doesn't have to show proof of vaccination.
0: You know, that's actually a great point. And I hadn't and I hadn't thought of that when I came when I when I found this story and wrote it out. That is an excellent point. If you have. Oh, let's uh, you know. Let's not necessarily point the finger at Lamar Jackson. Let's uh,
1: let's say Cole... I only picked him because his name was in the news for the last couple of days, of course.
0: Cole Beasley, Kirk Cousins. You know, there's a few guys that have pr- been pretty adamantly opposed to the vaccine. So, how is that going to work, Scott? I guess they're going to have to show a negative test. Yeah, because... which
1: I'm sure is not going to be an issue for them because the NFL is going to be testing these guys pretty much every day. I think
0: every day is the is the protocol for the for the unvaccinated players. I think.
1: I was teasing with Lamar Jackson, but the point is, is that you still have players who don't want to get vaccinated, and people might argue that this is outrageous. It's not; they're running a business. I don't know exactly know what you expect them to do.
0: Yeah, it's and 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 before you start, it's not a violation of any of your rights. It's no, nowhere in the Constitution. You don't have a right to go to a football game. So just before you before you start down that path, just just don't because there's no path there. Yeah. All right, so. I'm I'm expecting to see this in California. I know they're they're going to mass mandates in a lot of different cities. San Francisco went full city mass mandate. So even though the Niners don't play in San Francisco per se, neither, of course, do the Raiders. Well, the Raiders play in Vegas, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least the California teams uh, initiate some sort of the same type of situation. Under no circumstances, this is my prediction, under no circumstances will we limit attendance. Or play to empty stadiums again.
1: Yeah, I think that that's the main reason why they're implementing this. Because you can make an argument, oh, it's not fair, blah, blah, blah. But people forget how much money these organizations lost last year from the lack of ticket sales. Yeah. They don't care if you have to wear four masks. No. You're going to have to wear them because they're going to try to do whatever they can to make make money selling tickets.
0: I'm going to tell you another dirty little secret, Scott. They don't really care if you get COVID.
1: That's also true, but I'm saying in general. They have to act like they do. They have to act like they um, care. Yeah, based on the amount of money they lost, they can really just force you to wear anything, and not really force, but just tell you to. And if you're a big enough sports fan, they'll find people that are big enough fans to actually comply with the dress code. Yep.
0: Would it make a difference to you if you're going to go to a professional sporting event? Would it make a difference to you if there was a mask mandate or not?
1: I think it honestly depends on the weather because you can make an argument that you should want to wear a mask anyway. But mm-hmm. in reality, do I want to wear a mask when it's 90 degrees outside in California? Probably not. I'd probably just stay home.
0: I think if you're outside in a windy environment, you're probably okay. Yeah, but
1: it's the matter of California, which you brought up.
0: It's sizzling.
1: Do I want to go to Arizona yeah. in the desert and wear a mask in 102 degree weather? Well, they play, probably ins- not.
0: They play inside.
1: I you know what I mean I'm saying like a hypothetical like if the Diamondbacks right with a retractable roof or, or one of these other teams in if the roof got very, stuck yeah or like a very very hot climate I can understand why people would not want to do it you're going to Florida to a Dolphins game and it's 98 outside yeah. I can see why people wouldn't want to wear a mask
0: I get it yeah absolutely well I don't think there's going to be any danger of it coming to Florida Yeah I think I think you're going to be safe Florida and Texas probably the two the two hottest states that they play in at least outside, obviously Arizona hotter, but uh, I don't think we're going to have any mass mandates. So you can you can rest easy, Florida and Texas. Uh, nobody's intruding on your freedoms there. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Um, maybe a little uh, a little lighter touch here with this next NFL story. There's a quarterback battle going on in Jacksonville. What? That's right. Trevor Lawrence is not going to just be just handed the keys to the new Jaguar, Scott. They're gonna make him test drive it. They're gonna make him pass a driver's test because he's got to compete with the stash, with Gardner Minshew, baby. Minshew ain't you know Minshew. He's leaving it all on the field. He ain't giving up his position that easily. Now, is this just coach prattle, or is there a real story here? Is this really a competition? I hope it's just coach talk, because if it's
1: not, this is just next level stupidity. You took the guy number one overall, right? He's gonna play. Like, I, I don't really know what you're waiting for. I, I think Lawrence is going to get the job. I think that this could be a ploy also to increase Minshew's trade stock potentially, right? If they plan on just shipping him out entirely. Minshew, I think, did an okay job so far in his very young NFL career, but you didn't just pay a guy number one overall pick, you know, money with a brand new coach. The reason why he took the job in the first place. And he surrounded him with a running back that he spent time with in college, with the other first-round pick. I'm assuming Lawrence is going to start. You?
0: Well, Scott, back in my day, um, back in my day, actually, they weren't afraid to let those quarterbacks set for the first season or two. They would actually sit them on the bench, make them learn the game, and then insert them when the time came. You know, and you look at you look at Aaron Rodgers. Even Pat Mahomes, although that was an unusual situation because they had Alex Smith, and he was coming off a pretty darn good season, so they had Mahomes sit. But it's not unheard of not to throw those guys right into the fire, but it seems to be much more prominent lately that if you get that kind of money, because they know they only have you for a limited number of years, at least until they have to pay you real money. So they want to find out what they have before they have to make that decision on that next contract. So these guys are playing... Right away. Now you know if you look at you take a guy like Drew Locke, Scott, If Drew Lock could have sat for a year, learned behind a really good quality veteran instead of instead of Joe Flacco, uh, I think that he might have been maybe in a better position right now to be a starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. To me, I don't think there's any fire here. I'm with you. I think it's I think it's all smoke. I think the Minshew increasing his value angle is a good one. Um, it, it's a possible that they've seen. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in training camp, and maybe he's been slow to pick up the offense, or maybe there's some reason for trepidation, or maybe maybe Minshew has just looked extra good. He's in the best shape of his life, whatever. But I'm with you. It's possible. I give it a 20% chance of Minshew starting the season, four to one against.
1: Yeah, for the record, I don't have an issue with with teams as a whole resting younger starters. The issue that I have is that this just feels completely disingenuous. And it seemed like Min it seemed like Minshew was pretty much guaranteed to be riding the bench, and now right before the season, oh, we got ourselves a competition here. Like I don't believe it. I think you're just pushing a false
0: narrative. Well, now in fairness, it's right before the preseason. They haven't played any games yet, so I mean, it's not. We haven't seen we haven't seen Lawrence yet, so this could become a moot conversation by Monday, Scott, because we could see Lawrence go out there and absolutely stink up the joint. We could see Minshew do a great job, and all of a sudden you're going, well, maybe there's a little something, something here. I don't know. That's just it's, I the main again issue a possibility. That I have
1: isn't, isn't even the idea you might get benched for Minshew to start the season? I think it's that you had to list them as co-starters or whatever. You can just put Lawrence one on the depth chart. Like we know he's ahead. It's fine.
0: Is Urban Meyer going to be the the next great college coach that fails miserably in the NFL?
1: Yes, I, th- I think he's going to fail drastically. Two, but
0: two seasons over, under seven and a half wins.
1: That's also why I think Lawrence is going to play this week one, because I'm not sure how long Meyer's is going to be with the Jaguars before he either A, gets bored, or B, cites some health concerns like he has in the past.
0: I hear that he still has boxes packed in his office, just in case.
1: He's the kind of guy who... Likes I don't even say if things go badly, he'll leave, but... Would it shock you if midway through a season he pulls a Jim Mora and just or Jim Mora Jr. and just says, I'm out of here?
0: Chest pains, having more chest pains. Mm-hmm. So let me so get to answer
1: let, your question. I think he's going to fail dramatically.
0: Let me get this straight. He stepped away from the college game because it was too stressful and decided, you know, the place where there's a lot less stress the NFL. Uh, NFL. Abso- yep. Absolutely correct. So. All right, Scott. Quick reminder here that you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing you think that Meyer is going to fail. Yes, I. I just the the track record of those guys coming over from the college game. It just it just hasn't been good at all. I like Jacksonville in preseason, if that counts. Fair enough. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner?
1: Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating.
0: Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winners?
1: What's Winners and winners?
0: Exactly. So what do you tell them?
1: I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns in every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need.
0: Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, You go to some places and they just throw numbers, numbers, numbers but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use Winners and Winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about Winners and Winners?
1: It's absolutely free to use.
0: That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winners and Winners com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right?
1: Sure. You're still getting none of my fries.
0: What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I
1: saw you looking at them.
0: Seriously, dude. It's It's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them. them... Oh, man. That's brutal. All right. Fine. Seriously, though. winnersandwiners.com go there, or be square. All right, guys. Welcome back to the second half hour of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us that half hour. That's all we ask for now, and we'll give you some winners. We're getting ready to dole them out right now, Scott. Oh, we have to talk about one thing because... This is this is like becoming a regular segment on the show, and that segment should be called "Is this the worst contract ever?" Um, Scott Chris Davis, not the one with the K, the one with the C, uh, officially retired from baseball yesterday. Did you guys know he was still playing? Raise your hand if you knew Chris Davis was still playing baseball. Hmm? No, not many well, hands well, out there. Well,
1: technically he wasn't because he was injured, but he officially it was on a ro- He was on a
0: roster. He was an, on an active roster. He was on a forty-man yep. roster somewhere. Well, the Orioles, Scott, because, you know, when it rains, it pours in Baltimore. They're still on the hook for a few years. They're going to give him $3.5 million um, for a little while. They're going to give him $3.5 million every July 1st until 2032. And like, oh, well, finally, at least 2032, it'll be over. Oh, not quite. We do get to cut down and only give him $1.4 million each July 1st from 2033 to 2037. So, Scott, 16 years from now, will we be talking about this in relationship to the Bobby Bonilla deal?
1: I like to believe it as a passing of the torch because I believe Bonilla's is going to end in the middle of this one, correct? Right, I believe so. right, right. So it's a, it's a passing of the torch. Of course, Bonilla's more the trailblazer when it comes to these deferred contracts and the yearly anniversary of mocking a team for handing out a million dollars to a guy who retired several years ago.
0: Right. It's a pretty worthy replacement, isn't it? How on earth? I I just... Now, see, that's the agent that Schroeder should have had. The Mets can't even... The Mets could at least blame
1: Madoff scandals. I don't know what Baltimore's excuses.
0: Well, they can blame Madoff scandals for not being able to pay it. That's fair. <laughs> but I don't... I. Okay, so nine years at three point five—that's uh, thirty-one and a half million—and then another one point four for five years. That's another so thirty. They're still going to pay him thirty-eight and a half million dollars, Scott. How can that be?
1: How? How would you celebrate that, that if you were Chris Davis and it was July first? What's your go-to drink that you're uh, having there? Getting paid a million dollars on that day every year for about it, a decade now.
0: It's it's probably something that I'm not even aware of. That's so, that's so expensive. Like you know, I'm such a plebe. I would say you know, crystal or something like that. Are you
1: asking for the 1942 top shelf?
0: Yeah, that's what. Oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. Abs Absolutely correct, sir. Uh, Johnny Walker Blue, that sort of thing. Yes, all day or er day, my friend. It's a big day in the Davis okay. household every July. I'll tell you what, you're going to have is a hell of a fireworks display every year at the Davis house. Because he's just got that—he's got that mad check. He's got that money burning a hole in his pocket. You're getting the full display, guys. He's buying out the tent. All right, Chris
1: Davis. I'm not even—I'm not even using my agent to collect the check. I want to show up in person and receive the physical check. Maybe one of the big ones they give out for one of the like half court shot stuff. But make a spectacle out of it. Now, do you think they have
0: to give him a check? Do you think there's something written that they can't like pay it in quarters?
1: I'm sure they end up paying it just straight to the bank account. But I had my idea, though. It's like the Semi-Pro. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Semi-Pro. It's like, yeah, you know, I tried to cash these. No, you got to go to a big check bank where they cash big checks. (laughs) But that's what I'm imagining for Chris Davis. You
0: see Chris Davis with a big check at the ATM trying trying to shove it in. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, of course, he strikes out because, you know, he's Chris Davis. Oh, Scott, so we've got three, count them, three NFL games tonight. We had a little action Yesterday, Pittsburgh looks... Man, they look like they're top form, do don't they, Scott? They're ready to go. Dwayne Haskins, future movement. So, was there anything in either one of those games that surprised you?
1: Not really. I feel Patriots, like
0: Patriots winning a preseason game?
1: Patriots with Belichick are actually not atrocious all-time when it comes to preseason. Yeah, they're not good. But the defense looked really good, which I feel like was going to be a question mark because a lot of guys opted out. Now, of course, New England wasn't... At 100 a 100%, you know, full defensive ability there based on some guys who might have sat out for veteran reasons, etc. Defensively, they looked really good. I think the one surprise there was going to be Haskins and the fact that he actually looked competent regardless mm-hmm. of what type of uh, future janitors he was going up against because a lot of guys he was against probably don't have many
0: pro futures. But he looked good. I'll give him props. Okay. You? Yeah, it was it was okay. Did you were you disappointed by the uh, the uh, Redskins' offensive effort? Well,
1: they're not called that anymore. But the so Washington the really. Washington
0: football team. Sorry.
1: Yeah, but in general, maybe a little. I thought the second half would open up a little bit. Heineke had the, led the touchdown drive at the end, so at the end of the first half, so he looked pretty good there. I would say maybe a little bit disappointed, but then again, since we don't really know how much of the playbook these teams are going to open up in the first of three preseason games, I'm kind of just tossing everything out, aren't I?
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely true. And in CFL news, Scott, apparently Calgary not nearly as good as people anticipated, as they were awful against the BC Lions in what was a pretty awful game as the BC wins fifteen to nine.
1: At least Calgary's consistent. People thought they'd be good in
0: hockey too when they were terrible. <laughs> Touche, my friend. Oh, a little. That's a little Canuck humor right there, folks. Nicely done. Nicely done indeed. All right, so we got three preseason games tonight. Tennessee, Atlanta, Scott. This is basically depending on where you go. It's a round to pick them. Might be able to pick up a point if you're the Tennessee Titans going to be some real battles here scott pretty good rule of thumb in this one if there's anybody that plays offense for the titans that you've ever heard of they're not playing Tannehill's not playing brown's not playing julio jones isn't playing derrick henry isn't playing so what do you like about this one
1: under Uh, you got matt ryan who if he does play which i'm assuming he won't play correct so you don't have to worry about that A.J. McCarron's been around for a while, yep. so even though he's a clipboard holder, he does have experience. And you have Felipe Franks, who both of us, I know for a fact, don't like. Big fans. And Big fans. and Tennessee, we talked about how Tannehill's not going to play and whatever. I'm expecting a hideous display of football. Yeah. I'll take the under.
0: Yeah, this is going to, be, it's going to be ugly, and it's going to get uglier because you're going to have Matt Barkley getting involved in the second half, Scott. And that's going to, anytime Matt Barkley is involved, even if it's preseason, most likely going to be ugly. And added bonus, he's only been with the team for a little more than a week right now. So
1: Sounds like a lot of handoffs to me.
0: It does sound like a lot of handoffs, and of course it won't be to Derrick Henry. I'm, I'm going to have to lean towards the Falcons in this one, I think. Scott, where do you come down?
1: I agree. At the end of the day, it's a matter of the Falcons have a new coach. So maybe you might see a little bit of urgency when it comes to getting off on the right foot, but Tennessee doesn't care. Tennessee's on to bigger and better things. Vrabel's part of the Belichick family, or kinda, yeah. Or sure. so. I don't exactly expect him to treat this seriously. I expect an ugly game, Falcons. I don't even know twenty-seven ten.
0: Yeah, it'll be. I think that's probably realistic because the Falcons have a new defensive scheme this season. So I know they want to try that. I want to know they want to get some trial by fire for their new scheme. They've probably got better backup defensive players than Tennessee does because, you know, let's face it, even the first string for Tennessee, not too great. And in addition, uh, the kid, what's the kid's name? Fraley, the cornerback the that they took in the first round of Tennessee? The drop, uh, I believe so. Dropped yeah. to the 22nd pick. Far, Farley, maybe? Farley, sorry, Farley. Yeah, <laughs> right, right letters, wrong order. He's not ready to go yet, so he's going to get no reps at all. So, I'm I'm frightened to see what this Tennessee defense does. Unfortunately, I don't think the Falcons' uh, second, third, fourth, and the uh, drive-through string is going to be uh, enough to do a whole lot of damage. I think they probably do enough though. So don't yep. hate don't hate the under there either. Um, who else do we get to see in action tomorrow night, Scott? Oh, we get to see we get to see our is it is he our new favorite coach, Scott? Is it, the, is it our favorite coach that we're excited to see this year, Dan Campbell?
1: I think he's the most entertaining or Matt, coach Matt Campbell? for all the wrong reasons. Matt Campbell. No, Matt Campbell's the Iowa State guy. That's right.
0: Dan Campbell.
1: Matt Matt Campbell's an actual football coach.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the guy for... Uh, he, yeah, Dan Campbell's the coffee fanatic who he, bites he, little, uh A little, little extra caffeinated is he. He's going to square off against the Buffalo Bills, a team that has great expectations this year, especially if you follow him on Twitter. My God, what an arrogant fan base. I just, I'm, I'm
1: fine with it. Any fan base that's willing to jump through tables, I'm fine with it. You know
0: what? Beat the Chiefs and we'll talk. Look competitive against the Chiefs, then we'll talk.
1: They made the playoffs. Like, they made the AFC title game. Playoffs. I'll, I'll, let them, I'll let them have their moment.
0: Okay. All right. Well, just talking about how we're going back to the Super Bowl and all that. Like, okay.
1: Oh, uh, that's a, well. They didn't make it. There last year, so I don't think they're going to make it this year. Well, they mean
0: going back from the you know the other four times. They're
1: they're on the right track. I'll give them that.
0: Well, and we all we all know how they do when they get there. So, I've got a hunch about this game, Scott. It's really based on nothing. It's based on no analysis, nothing at all. I just have a hunch. Buffalo won't care about this game one bit, and um, Starbucks Johnson there is going to. I think, want to win this game. I think he's going to want to make a statement, show everybody how wrong they were about him, show what a good coach he is. I think Detroit wins this game.
1: Do you think that if Detroit does win the game, the coach demands a Gatorade bath on the sideline? I
0: think it's entirely possible.
1: We'll see. But I know we're just making jokes here about Campbell and how he's kind of a lunatic. But in reality, with preseason and, you know, motivation usually is going to be an issue for some teams, if not most teams, it's a new coach angle where you can talk about how getting off on the right foot's a good start. Plus, for Campbell's purposes, you know that he's going to be bouncing pretty much off the walls in the entirety of this game. I think the team's going to be fired up for it. I agree with you. I'll go with Detroit. All
0: right, very good. And the last game on the card is your Dallas Cowboys against the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be a home game down there in the desert. I believe the roof's going to be closed, as it should be, I think, 187 degrees in Phoenix. So... They will have that roof shut. Now Dallas got to play last week, Scott. Does that give them an advantage here? I think you can make an argument it does, but they
1: looked so bad the first time around <laughs> that I'm not sure if it actually mattered. And they were awful.
0: So you're going to have you're going to have Gilbert, and then you're going to have at some point finish up Danucci. and who you got who who you got in the middle? Cooper Rush. Is it Matt Campbell? No, it's Cooper Rush. That's right. So what's our what's our best guess here? Gilbert uh, gets a quarter.
1: Say a quarter apiece for Gilbert and Rush, and then the second half for Danucci, if I had to guess.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good enough. And the Arizona Cardinals, rumor is Kyler Murray is going to play at least a series. Is
1: that right? Yes. That seems to be initial reports from Kingsbury himself. Should Murray been playing? Probably not, but you might. So we'll see.
0: Make a difference to you? You like Arizona in the first, first half or anything?
1: I am kind of tempted by it. I know the backup for Arizona is Colton McCoy which I know sounds like an underwhelming option, but he's been around for what feels like 35 years. It's preseason. It's his time to shine. Yeah. This isn't his first Rodeo. I I think he'll do fine in preseason. The issue is going to be the third stringers if you want to take the full game because you have a CFL legend who played in the final week, week 17 last year for Arizona when Murray got injured, who's not very good, and you have Danucci on the other end. So who is it? Do you
0: remember the kid's name?
1: Uh, Shreve, uh, uh, or Strie-
0: Strever, no,
1: Strever, yeah, Streffler, Shreve- Stiffler, yes. Stiffler, yeah. But the point is, is that it's not a great option, but Danucci is useless, so you're expecting some really ugly second half play. I gotta go with Arizona just because the Cowboys look so disinterested in game one, they might look a little bit more interested. I don't see it by much. I expect the Cowboys to pretty much roll over this entire preseason, you.
0: I I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't be doing that. I would, I think if you're if you're going to play the Cowboys, I think next week would be the only shot you would have to play them, where they where they may not look absolutely for, terrible. For
1: reference, by the way, Murray's going to play a series at least. Dax not, and if Dax not going to play, I'm assuming you wouldn't bother playing the majority of everyone else. And if you did why would you even care about the game?
0: Well, and the other question about that is how much Murray's going to play and whether Zeke's going to play.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying, do you really think Zeke would play if Dak doesn't? Because I just don't see the point. No. If Dak's not playing, you're basically admitting you're punting the entire game. Well, Dak's
0: still kind of banged up, though, as far as the injuries go, right? No,
1: correct. He's banged up. But we talked about for the Hall of Fame game, the entire Cowboys team is banged up, and that's why the Cowboys, we thought, would look awful in the Hall of Fame game. Do oh. I think that they're suddenly going to open up the playbook while the team is still battling injuries? Probably not.
0: Fair point. Uh, by the way, the guy's name is Chris Chris Streveler, or Chris Streveler, one of the two. And my favorite part about that, Scott, and you told me his stats the year that he won the Grey Cup, he threw eight touchdown passes, 14 picks.
1: Yes, but he had 12 rushing touchdowns. But he
0: had 12 rushing touchdowns, right. So,
1: so if you want to look at a situation where both quarterbacks are terrible, when in doubt, take the mobile guy. Sure and this guy can run a little bit.
0: Also a good time to take the unders when you have mobile quarterbacks because they just they run, they slide and go to the next play.
1: That's true, but I'll go with Arizona on this one and lean to the under. Probably look for a live under because I do think the first half might have some points, but at halftime, I expect all those points to quickly stop.
0: Off the cliff it goes. All right, very good sir. Very good indeed. And quick reminder everybody, you got the uh Got the farm segment coming up here, so stay tuned for that. You are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. We just gave you three or four right there. And now we turn our attention to the diamond in the series of non-Field of Dreams games. Scott, and i got to be honest with you. You know, we've got a full and complete baseball card here. It's Friday. No afternoon games. No getaway. None of that BS. Can we shuffle some of the matchups? I don't love this card. I honestly, honestly don't love this card, Scott. It's not my, it's not my favorite. There's some, there's some weird matchups. There's some, there's some huge numbers that I don't think are right. Um, I'll let you start. You, what do you, what do you got your, what you got your eye on here?
1: Well, I got to look at one matchup involving a hot team and your team. You got the Cardinals against the Royals, and you got the return of Jack Flaherty. Now, Flaherty, we know, when he started the year, was fantastic. He's been out for a couple of months. He's against Mike Minor in this spot. St. Louis did sweep Pittsburgh, so congratulations to you. You beat a triple-A team, but you still won against the team in front of you. I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I feel like Flaherty's cheap in this spot because Kansas City, even if you're a Royals fan, we agree this team isn't very good. St. Louis starting to play decent baseball. I think the price is too cheap. I'll go with the Cardinals.
0: You? Yeah, I think if you can if you can catch him somewhere in the 135 range, that's a solid play. Mike Miner, he's got the respect of oddsmakers. Sometimes it's warranted, and sometimes it isn't. He's been really, he hasn't necessarily been inconsistent. He's been pretty consistent around a 4.0 ERA, but it's
1: serviceable. He's, but I just he, think yeah, Flaherty he's a he's a crafty lefty. Better. Yeah, I think Flaherty's better, and I like the current form of San Luis.
0: Yep, yep, and they you know they're. They're playing an away game in Kansas City, but you get a lot of Cardinals fans for those games. Away game. Well, it is. It's you know yeah, 200, 250 miles, but they travel they travel pretty darn well. They travel well to Chicago, travel well to Kansas City. You're going to see a lot of red in the stands. If you watch that game on TV, you're going to hear the Cardinals do good things. You're going to hear the crowd erupt. You're thinking, wait a minute. I thought you were at Kauffman Stadium. And you are. Just a ton of Cardinals fans. Probably 15,000 Cardinals fans will be there. So it's not quite an away game. I don't, I don't hate that. Scott, how about our boy, Robbie Ray? Big price on him as he squares off against all I do is win, win, win. Chris Flexen and the Seattle Mariners. Toronto, big favorite there, minus 170 or so. Eight and a half is the total juiced to the under. How's our boy gonna do? I'm looking at the under, but I have really no interest.
1: The issue I have with taking Toronto. Is the fact that this team is obviously better at home than they are on the road? You saw what they did in the Rogers Center when they ended up going back there; It looked fantastic. But as a whole, flexing so profitable, you're giving them basically plus one hundred and sixty. I don't exactly want to step in front of that train. It's
0: right in his wheelhouse. That's right. That's right where he excels. And they just, they just keep setting him up, and he says, "All right, I'll just go. I'll just go out and win." And that's I'm right. At the,
1: I'm looking at the under as well because Seattle couldn't score against Texas for about a three game series. Mm-hmm. I'll look at the under, but when it comes to a side, it's flex pass.
0: Yeah, I'm. I like the under better. I just, I'm just not so sure. Robbie Ray's been really good um, this season. He's been really good his last three. One 1-5-0 ERA over his last three. He's cut down on the walks. He's not given up home runs. But like you said. Flexen is the most profitable pitcher in Major League Baseball, and I guarantee if you don't keep up with us, if you don't keep up with that stat, that's not the person you probably would have had on your list. So I don't hate it. I'm just going to play the under two decent pitchers squaring off in that one. What else you got?
1: Well, looking at a matchup between two serious bottom feeders, you have the Cubs against the Marlins, and you got yourself – Alzalay against Lazardo. Total in this one, seven and a half. Now I know the Cubs offensively have been awful. I know Miami offensively has been pretty bad too. But Alzalay and Lazardo, the Cubs ha- are still giving up runs to Milwaukee. I'm sure, even as this game takes place. So I'm looking at the over. Seven and a half with these pitchers. I know the offenses aren't good. You might accidentally stumble into three runs or four runs. I'm going with the over.
0: Yeah, and I really appreciate the optimism of the Miami Marlins. Of course, Lazardo started the season for Oakland, started in the rotation, wasn't good there, got bumped to the pen, wasn't good there, got bumped to AAA, wasn't good there, got traded to the Marlins. They made him a starter. He's made two starts. You know what he wasn't? You know what he's been in Miami, Scott? Okay. Not good there. No, he's been terrible. He's given up 10 earned and nine and two thirds innings. It's it's possible one of these teams gets the over all by themselves. And no, neither one of them are offensive powerhouses, especially Chicago lately. I think Lazardo is going to be the great equalizer. I think even the Cubs can put up some runs against Lazardo. And you and I have both well chronicled the struggles of Alberto Alzale, and they haven't been good over yeah. and over.
1: I mentioned my, dis- my dislike of Lazardo when they traded Marte for him, and I understand the control. I just don't think Lazardo is that good. He still doesn't look that good.
0: Well, if they've got a pitcher whisperer on the Miami Marlins staff, he hasn't been able to get to Lazardo yet. It hasn't worked out yep. yet. I'm gonna give you other I'm,
1: than that though, I'm looking at a plus price. Uh sorry to interrupt, you're a, all right. a plus price here. You interested in Bumgarner at around plus one fifty?
0: Perhaps. Tell me more.
1: Well, you got him against Blake Snell. Now Snell's been pretty good lately, but his road numbers are absolutely atrocious. Bumgarner last three starts 21 innings I believe three runs so he's been three or four runs but he's been fantastic
0: okay yeah I don't I don't hate that we're getting a little plus what 150 155
1: yeah I think that's definitely worth a shot especially after Arizona's offense woke up dramatically in yesterday's game Bumgarner's been really good over over the last few starts yeah I said to go through the actual starts it was 21 innings, five runs. But the point is, is that he's still been very good. Yeah. Snell has been better lately, but his road numbers are so atrocious. I think Arizona can potentially sneak by and get one.
0: I think that's possible. I, of course, I fell into that trap the other night, and they made me look stupid. But yep, I, I'll give you another. I'll give you another dog here before we uh, before we rock and roll, and that's going to be my friend Austin Gomber there in Colorado, squaring off against the San Francisco Giants. Anthony DeSclafani Scalfani is on the mound for the Giants. And I know you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, isn't DeSclafani Scalfani really good? And hasn't he been, hasn't Colorado been terrible on the road? Yes, both of those things are true. However, DeSclafani Scalfani has not been good lately as he has given up 14 runs over his last 19 innings. And that is a far cry from how he started the season. It's weird that him and Gausman have kind of uh, fallen off the cliff a bit, Scott. Isn't that isn't that a weird coincidence?
1: It's a little weird. Discofani though though ended up going on the IL, so he had some kind of injury, or that's what they're claiming he had. Right. So even if he does pitch well in this spot, are we sure the Giants are going to let him go more than five innings?
0: No, no. I think it's I think it's very possible that he could be on a pitch count there in that game. Yep. I think yep. I think that's absolutely accurate. But we're getting we're getting a hella price there as the Colorado Rockies are somewhere in the neighborhood of a plus 180, 185 favorite. I think that's worth a sniff. Gomber's been good. Yes, the Rockies have been terrible on the road, but I think it's worth a shot here. We're getting a good good price. If you want to play a dog, you can add that one on as well. All right, my friend. Well, it is Friday. It is the end of the week. It is the end of the show, and it is time for us to make one count. Scott, this is where we put our heads together. You and I come up with our very favorite play of the weekend. Happens to be a game from tonight, and I'm psyched. Let's get to it. Strap on your overalls, put on that straw hat, get up on the tractor, fire up the John Deere, folks, because it's time for Bet the Farm! So the bet the farm
1: play is going to be on the Brewers first five team total over two and a half runs at minus one fifteen on DraftKings. Brewers have scored thirty three runs over their last three games. That's, That's a pretty lot. Good. That's good. You you have Mitch Keller on the mound for Pittsburgh. Not he good. is not good. Uh, he has an eight point two nine ERA in thirty three and two thirds innings at home. Keller's last four starts fourteen and two thirds innings. 14 earned runs, and the Brewers are also 12-4 and against Pittsburgh this season. We think Milwaukee's going to roll, but two and a half runs in the first five innings is kids' play for this Milwaukee team over the past couple of days, especially against Keller. We think Milwaukee get at least three across going into the sixth inning.
0: Yeah, this Milwaukee team is just absolutely mashing the ball right now. So catch catch a hold and ride that tiger for a while. And I will say... Even though this is the play we like the best, if you don't have the ability to bet on first five totals, not everybody does, and you don't have DraftKings, you don't have uh, some of the some of the better books around the country, you can certainly bet the full game team total over four, five and a half with confidence as well. I believe both of those are going to cash. I just think the first five is a little better play. So that's going to do it. For our Bet the Farm play, get yourself down on the Milwaukee Brewers team total over two and a half for the first five innings. Guys, we appreciate you checking us out. We appreciate you checking us out, not just today, but the entire week, watching us on YouTube, downloading our podcast, all that good stuff. For myself and for Scott Reichel, for the whole team over here at winnersandwiners.com, you guys have a great weekend. Good luck on all your plays. Hope every one of those tickets in your pocket turns into cash money. When you head back to the window. You guys take care. And we'll see you Monday on Winners and Winers Radio. Peace.